You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to bonus episode number 13 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your two hosts. With me is our other host, my good brother, good friend, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. It's Liam. Liam, welcome back to another week of discussing Batman. The adventures continue right here on our bonus episode. Absolutely. Uh, Excited to be back. We have reached the sort of finale. We'll get to that at the end, but... Uh, We have reached the end of our journey for the time being with these final two digital chapters, chapters 13 and 14, which is, uh, which are, those are the digital chapters they make up. That's parts five and six of the red sun rising storyline. And when they come out in physical form, they will, those two chapters will be put into one and that will be issue seven of Batman. The adventures continue. Bravo, my my friend. Way to keep uh, way to keep that all straight there, because that was uh, it's always a always a challenge to keep keep everything straight with this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we are finally here, Liam. It has been a long, strange journey, and something that we've uh, certainly <laughs> enjoyed. Uh, we've we've uh, had quite a an interesting time getting here and some uh, actually additionally exciting news about the f- potential future of uh you know the dcau especially in comic book form here so uh we can jump right into our our story sort of today and give our general thoughts on what we felt about these two digital chapters together uh so With these two chapters, we pick up right where we left off with our last issue, which if you haven't listened to our last bonus episode, or if you haven't read that issue, I don't know why you're listening to this, but stop what you're (laughs) doing and either go read them or start at the beginning and listen to all of the bonus episodes, which you can hear in the archive at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app. Liam, we picked this one up where we left off with our last issue. So Jason Todd has kidnapped Tim Drake and taken him hostage. And uh, beginning of the of the next issue, it's sort of uh, we we see Jason interacting with Dr. Leslie Tompkins for the first time since their last interaction, where she expressed to Bruce that she had some certainly had some worries and concerns about uh about his his future and putting putting him in harm's way and so uh let's let's break this thing down shall we absolutely yeah like you said it picks up right where the last chapter slash issue ended with jason kidnapping tim the direct fallout of yes as you mentioned leslie Tompkins seeing jason for the first time since he's returned, they have some dialogue uh, about that. And he sort of makes allusions to uh, what his plans are, as well as stealing some chemicals from her, which we turn, uh, we find out later, I guess are very powerful sedatives, which he uses to capture all of our major players here. But uh, yeah, from, from there, there's uh, it's sort of this dueling scene. We have Batman, Batgirl and Alfred sort of, dealing with the fallout of, of Jason coming to the Batcave and taking Tim Batman blaming himself. He doesn't, he's, he's frustrated. He doesn't know where to go exactly. And on the other hand, you also have the Joker who of course was attacked by Jason in the previous issue. Also seemingly pretty worried about what's going on. So worried. In fact, that he goes to the iceberg lounge and asks the penguin for help. And I mean, do we just want to? We just want to blow, blow the roof off the the the. Just hit the Steve Austin music here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Mr. Wing returns triumphantly. Hashtag feel the bird. That's right. Uh, and we get to see a big knockdown dragout fight between the Joker's new henchman, Straight Man, and the subordinate, as he is called by the Penguin here, uh, Mr. Wing, and. Sadly, Cal, we actually get to learn what Mr. Wing's true origin is. And apparently he's not a from a secret society of highly evolved birds who kicked him out for being too radical. He's just an experiment 
from um, one Emile Dorian, the mad scientist from the Batman and the Animated Series episode, Tiger, Tiger. Yeah, so uh, a little bit of disappointment that they didn't take our cues and, uh, you know, Mr. Dini decided to go in a different direction. Now, we, of course, we do know that uh, that from time to time, canon has changed. So, you know, mm-hmm. who's to say who's to say this is permanent canon? I, I, I don't know, but at least for now, yes, we we see that they took his origin in a bit of a different direction here, at least tying it to this Emile Dorian, who appears to be one of Paul Dini's uh, favorite character, go-to characters, it seems. Uh, he, I believe he used him in, uh, or at least referenced him in Harley Loves Joker, uh, which mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, miniseries written by Paul Dini that is potentially loosely canon DCAU content. We're not sure, but possibly. <laughs> Um, as a lot of this stuff seems to be in question. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, Emil Dorian making a uh, an appearance. And of course, we talked about him on the episode at Tiger Tiger, which we recently reviewed just a few months back. You can check it out in the archives at dcaureview.com if you're not familiar with that character, want to mm-hmm. know all about him. Uh, but basically, he was a fan of sort of splicing animal DNA into human DNA. So are we to, but at other times he just sort of, I don't know. He, he did the reverse. He sort of spliced or (laughs) did like human DNA into animals. So it's kind of unclear as to which one this is. Yeah. They, uh, they kind of, yeah, we haven't exactly learned the full origins yet. We just know that, Mr. Wing is apparently another of his experiments, but yeah, I do think that's, uh, that's, that is, uh, that leaves, leaves a little wiggle room. We still have uh, much to learn about Mr. Wing and hopefully we will learn more as, uh, as the years go on here. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, I like that little nod. It's, it's fun. Now, obviously in the DCAU continuity in justice league, it's implied that Dr. Milo uh, from the Moon of the Wolf episode is actually more sort of directly responsible for the origins of splicing as we see it in Batman Beyond. But obviously, uh, I guess we can say that anybody who is like half animal, half man had a hand in this. Kirk Langstrom, uh, this Dr. Dorian, and uh, and and Milo as well. So there, we get to see another little, I guess this is an early splicer, which does beg the question i feel like which is that if this already exists in regular batman time why is it like such a big scandal when it's happening in 30 years later in batman beyond yeah i that is kind of an odd choice to make this so normal it's not as if man bat was the only time this sort of human animal hybrid occurred certainly we have i guess you could say that maybe because uh, Doctor D- Dorian was on his own sort of island and was more. Um, some of those things were kept more under wraps on sort of his own. I don't know. It seemed to be more urban legend in that case. Uh, bec- he was a little more self-contained in his own own space. That maybe that that didn't get out. The Moon of the mm-hmm. Wolf thing. Uh, certainly, that was a little bit more prominent, I guess. But even at the end of that episode, there was sort. It was sort of ambiguous as to what happened to to uh, the, uh, the the Wolf Man, whose name escapes me at this point. Uh, but <laughs> but his but I, I guess maybe it's it could be chalked up to modern day sort of uh, tabloid gossip about this stuff. And then when it's becoming more mainstream and more prominent where people are electing to do it, as opposed to these sort of rumored uh, creatures that are being unleashed on Gotham, it's more of a shock that way. I, I guess, I guess that could be. Explained <laughs> that way. Yeah. I mean, that, that works fine. It's obviously we're just kind of nitpicking here, but it is, uh, it is interesting and fun to, uh, Obviously, to see one of, uh, I mean, the the breakout character from Batman: The Adventures Continue, Mister Wing, return here. But yeah, in the aftermath of his uh, knockdown, dragout fight with uh, the Straight Man, uh, the Red Hood shows up and and knocks out Joker and kidnaps him. And then that's sort of where part uh, digital chapter thirteen, part five ends. Is 
he also is able to knock out Batgirl and then and Batman and take him. And that's sort of the end of the chapter is all of the pieces are are finally coming together for this final dramatic confrontation with Batman, the Red Hood, the Joker, and the newest Robin all together this time. So they're all they uh they lay out the pieces pretty well. Um yeah, I, I think that's I think it's a pretty good that's a pretty good cliffhanger. Obviously, if you read this in the physical form, it won't really be a cliffhanger. It'll just be halfway through the book. But uh, I, I do like the way that uh, Jason sort of gets everybody on edge and then sort of picks them off one by one. I think showing kind of what a sort of master strategist and how ruthless he's become is uh, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that this was this was the best showcase sort of for that. Um I don't know. He still comes off. I think in some of his dialogue, especially his dialogue with Leslie is just kind of like this disrespectful spoiled brat, as opposed to, (laughs) as opposed to sort of like a vengeful, vengeful sort of righteous vengeance that sometimes it feels like he comes off with because he's that anti-hero type in, in the standard continuity. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems, seems like they more or less want you there to be no ambiguity um, about how, how you want, how you should feel with Jason, that he is a straight up villain, that he's not, there's no sort of gray area here that he's bad. He was a bad Robin. He rebelled against Batman and now he's trying to kill, kill Robin or make Batman kill the Joker or one of the others. So um, I guess in that way we had asked for a, a sort of a, a we've, you know, we've, we've been craving sort of a deviation from the original red hood storyline. And while we didn't get that maybe in his origin, they, they are not, uh, they are certainly not afraid to make him a straight up villain as opposed to that anti-hero that he sort of evolved into in the, in the standard books. For sure. Yeah. And I think that maybe is why it's jarring for people who have seen all of that character development but you have to remember that that first under the red hood story he was pretty much a straight up antagonist uh yeah he was also focused kind of in like the side story of attacking like organized crime in general to get batman's attention but it seemed like at the end of that book all of that was sort of just in service of getting himself batman and the joker into a room together so he could sort of play out this dramatic final confrontation and i think that's kind of more on display here he's he's more single-minded we don't see him really any sort of vigilantism or vigilantism in his in his repertoire here he's all we've seen of him really is that he's been sort of stalking the bat family and then now that he finally comes to uh you know he his plan has finally come together he executes his trap and is able to capture all of them fairly easily so yeah he's much more single-minded and much more aggressive in achieving his goals. There doesn't really seem to be this. Obviously we see some of that in the, in the flashbacks in previous chapters of his ideas of that Batman doesn't go far enough when it comes to stopping crime. But as far as since he's come back as the red hood, we don't really see any of that. It seems that he's really quite single-minded and, and is really just after the revenge and, and sort of setting up this scenario, as you mentioned, where, he wants Batman to either kill the Joker or Jason will kill Robin. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit of a different take on that, on that Jason character since at least since his comeback. For sure. All right, William. Well then we pick up in the next chapter here, which will simply just be, as you said, the second half of the final issue here of Batman, the adventures continue red sun rising part six. Uh, we pick up with Batman sort of coming out of a, a, uh, a, of a dream after he's been clearly been knocked out and he's come face to face with the Joker. He's uh, in this sewer layer uh, that may or may not be Killer Croc. I guess they they said it was one of Killer Croc's old layers or something like that. Uh, so Robin is in this tank that's slowly filling up with water. And then you have the Joker who's uh, chained up and Jason arrives shortly thereafter. And uh, he has decided that he is going to make Batman choose between uh, killing the Joker with a crowbar or allowing Robin to drown. And uh, Batman's not having any of that. (laughs) Yeah, I actually really love the way this this sort of take on this final confrontation is done. 
because I never really, I thought that was one of the few flaws in that uh, under the hood storyline in the books. And I guess it plays out pretty similarly in the movies, but the idea that when Jason tosses uh, Batman, the, the gun in the book and is like, you got to shoot the Joker or shoot me. I was like, well, why would he like, he's obviously not going to shoot Jason. Like it, it just never felt like that was a choice. Whereas having Tim be in direct danger here, I feel like there's more of a choice to be made. Whereas right. uh, for Batman, like more of a personal choice where uh, that, that, that vow to never kill can be, can be more, uh, can be more strongly tested, I guess in that not only what is it kill the joker it's not just kill the joker or i'll kill the joker it's kill the joker or i'll kill you know your new your new son so i think that that adds a lot of drama to it um yeah i like the way that final confrontation is set up and the joker's sort of stubborn refusal to play along as well as batman's where batman won't obviously won't kill the joker in the end and also sort of they, uh, I love the sort of like clever visual or uh, a verbal cue he gives to Robin as he sort of is telling Robin how to break out of this uh, this water tank that's filling up. Um, and then in the midst of that, the joke sort of gives the Joker a chance to monologue. I thought this was obviously we, he's been sort of a minor character so far, but this was like this is some real good Joker stuff. I know you mentioned that uh, off the air to me too, but this felt like the most like authentically. Uh, Mark Hamill's Joker or, uh, you know, the Paul Dini versus Tim Joker that we've gotten in this, in this book so far is that sort of monologue where he's talking about how, how boring it is. The idea that he would just try to pit Joker and Batman, that, that his, that his end goal would just be to try to get them to kill each other and, and how there would be no theater or no, uh, no joy in that, in that way of, of going about it. So even the Joker refuses to kill Batman, even when, even when the red hood shoots him and then throws a gun to him and tells him to kill Batman Joker really just won't play along in this way. Yeah. I thought that that was uh, I thought that, that, yeah, that was very true to that character. I appreciate that. He, he always relates it back to comedy also, you know, he says there's no comedy in, in trying to pit me and Batman forcing me and Batman to fight. Like that's, that's not what this is about. He doesn't get joy out of being forced to do something. He enjoys the torture aspect. And I actually do appreciate the fact that uh, Joker brings up that, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, Batman has to make a choice here. He's not, he knows that Batman's not going to kill him. So he said what the end goal is that he's going to take you down, take you in. You're going to be unmasked. Your identity is going to be exposed, <laughs> which is going to lead to Batman's identity being exposed, which is going to you know, be, be the ultimate goal and humiliation that the Joker was hoping for. And he didn't even have to do anything. He gets to sit back and watch it all. You know, this guy, basically this, this uh, second Robin that he almost killed ultimately does the work for him. So I thought that that was an, a neat little caveat there and a neat little turn of the uh, turn of the story. And uh, ultimately the, the Joker seems to have, uh, have quite some joy in, in learning that this plan that he had devised all along or had, had always hoped for ultimately is going to play out in a way uh, that ends up being quite the punchline. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's a, uh, that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. I love uh, just the bit at first when, when Jason sort of reveals himself as, you know, I was the second Robin and he's telling telling batman and the joker how he escaped the explosion originally and and the joker's like wow you know that's amazing i always wondered what happened to you <laughs> and uh, red hood says really and joker just says no no <laughs> <laughs> like the idea that I, I think that's also a very good like joker thing is like even in this dcau continuity or in the proper continuity the death of the second robin is like one of the big tent whole moments in the history of batman comics but for joker it was it was tuesday like it's just a right thing he did like it doesn't register to him as like this big moment in his career like it's just another thing he did to mess with batman like and i think that's i think that's a pretty great joker thing too i agree and i think it's somewhat meta it almost is a commentary i mean we've we've talked about as we've gone through here it's like man how do you 
how in the world do we not know that there was a second Robin? How do we not know <laughs> this story? If, if, and this is obviously before knowing the, all the details, but if this played out in any way, similar to, to the way that the Jason Todd story played out in, you know, in the standard DC continuity, how on earth do we not know about this? You know, how is this not <laughs> something that the Joker is constantly you know, throwing in Batman's face. And that's like you said, it's just because it was just another day. It was another, it was another chaotic experience that he caused that really it was just another flash in the pan. It was just something else, just another day, just another day at the office. Mm -hmm. For sure. So I I love that, uh, that interaction. And as we said there, it's the Joker is sort of always a little bit in control, even when it seems like he's, he's you know the, that red hood or even batman in this case have him dead to rights and of course he he put a homing beacon in straight man's brain uh they mention in in the in chapter 13 that he was uh that he had performed some sort of brain surgery on him um and uh, apparently had put a homing beacon in there and kept a, a device on that would allow straight man to find him and that's sort of where we get our our deus ex machina moment as, as, as it's sort of this really tense standoff that's then broken by, uh, by straight man bursting in and, and, and sort of knocking red hood around. And so I got to ask you, there we get, uh, actually we get to, yeah, go I got to ask you based on, based on what we know about the Joker now is mm-hmm. he, can we like unequivocally say that he is the smartest person in the DCAU? Like, Hmm. Is he smarter than Lex Luthor? Because, you know, going back to a lot of the schemes and scams that this guy has come up with and ultimately, like, if he was able to perform, if he, if he, and he is the one who claims this, so he doesn't say that he, you know, forced a brain surgeon to do it. He says that he reprogrammed uh, this Captain White House uh, obviously a sort of a Captain America <laughs> archetype. So he claims this and claims that he placed a homing beacon in his brain. He's literally a brain surgeon. And he's, and it's functional too, because obviously straight man's able to locate him even, you know, miles underground in this old killer croc layer that, uh, that, that Jason is tied up is holed up in with everyone. So, and we're not talking about the type of surgery that like Heath Ledger's Joker does in, in the dark night where he's like, just sort of haphazardly installs a phone in somebody's stomach. <laughs> this is, this is a legitimate brain, successful brain surgery. Yeah. I mean, that's that he's gone way up the list of the smartest men in the, in the DCAU, uh, if if this is in fact the case, um, yeah, it's, it's it's probably like him and Brainiac now, right? Like, <laughs> it's like it's it's like Brainiac, Joker, Luthor, maybe. <laughs> I think Darkseid might be smarter than Luthor. Okay, so Brainiac, Joker, Darkseid, Luthor. Give us your top five smartest people. Yeah, the- who? Yeah. Rod in there somewhere, maybe. Yes, could very well could very well be. I mean, obviously, Batman is a is a is a formidable brain, sure. also. But I don't ever remember him performing brain surgery on somebody. No, not not <laughs> successfully, anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that is a a fun, weird little wrinkle to this story is him talking about having apparently, yes, taken this this sort of as you mentioned, stand in for a Captain America type super soldier, and not only turning them into this obedient servant, but installing some sort of tracking device in his head that would allow him to find the Joker. Um, but yeah, that sort of leads to our, our big final action beats as uh, Robin frees himself, knocks out the Joker and uh, tosses Batman a crowbar to knock, to uh, help him fight off straight man. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's a really interesting final little bit there. You have sort of the the ending is is as everyone's fighting and the the room is flooding and there's also mentioned that these pipes whatever they're underneath are, are possible to explode so there's a lot going on all at once in this final bit here but I want to point out the most important thing to me in this final chapter is that we find out that uh, the Red Hood's mask is not a helmet it's a mask 
Yes, yes, it is. It's not. It. it that's also apparently um, canon. <laughs> <laughs> that's just. Uh, we'll get more into the uh, the visuals of the issue uh, in a little bit here. But yes. Uh, so yeah, from there, it's it's it. That's sort of have the ending. Batman still tries to reach out and save Jason, but Jason doesn't allow himself to be saved. Batgirl shows up in the nick of time to uh, give Robin and Batman a way out. And then we get our little epilogue to this story, which is that not only did Jason survive, but he was picked up by the returning Slade Wilson and Sonny. And uh, apparently whoever Slade is working with, perhaps Lex Luthor, who we saw him working with earlier in this series, is uh, very interested in Jason's skill set. And uh, Deathstroke mentions that the uh, the idea of uh, creating a new family is sort of this ant. Well, seems to be like an anti-bat family with Deathstroke, Sonny, and the Red Hood potentially going against Robin, Batgirl, and Batman in a, a future story, perhaps. Yeah, I think that um, I think that it seems. I mean, we, we've we've kind of spec- been speculating on this, especially when we knew that it seemed like there were a lot of elements that maybe had originally been planned for this series, especially, I I mean, obviously we're not, we're not privy to what the, what the original plans were, but we were at least, it seemed to be alluded to that we were going to have each and every one of the, these action figures that were the, the ultimately that the comic was based on, were Mm -hmm. they were going to be used to sort of promote this comic book series uh, and vice versa. So we had mentioned a couple issues back that with only one or two issues left, there were a lot of characters that they had introduced or shown that were being left on the table. And we were curious about this, you know, how are they going to jam all these things, these characters in there? <laughs> right. You know, are they just going to completely ignore them with DC direct shuttering and maybe some of these figures never being produced? Are they just going to pretend like they didn't exist? What is, ha- what is going on? It's basically kind of where we left. And this ending, even though it does say, and at the bottom of it, in that final panel, uh, certainly leaves the door open for the possibility uh, for the adventures continue to continue. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, no, that that definitely was, it was not a, as we sort of talked about at the end of our last bonus episode where we discussed this, episode 11, uh, we we mentioned that like wow they, I mean they've really got a lot of loose ends to tie up especially with this Jason character because he's never mentioned in Justice League or Batman Beyond or any of these other shows so like they have to have some sort of like big definitive end to this this version of the of the Red Hood Jason character and uh, that just doesn't happen <laughs> they uh, they leave it very open ended and like we said hopefully that means there is more stories to come. Uh, focusing on this character but ending it with this sort of new alliance forming between uh, Deathstroke and and the Red Hood and perhaps other villains that we may have previously seen Uh, I am curious as to as to what that 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 certainly makes your mind wander and uh, and race when it comes to thinking about what could be next for a uh, if there were say a sequel series to this or just a direct continuation uh, and keeping the numbering and everything. Yes. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I, you know, who, what is this new family that Deathstroke is talking about? You know, who, who else could be involved here? Who, where else is Deathstroke involved? Is this, could this possibly lead to another animated property where we get a, a, an actual animated movie out of this? You know, that would be interesting if they start, they are able to sort of use the momentum from this series and the certainly the excitement around HBO max and everything that's happening there. Are they able to sort of angle this into a, you know, a feature length uh, direct video film? I, I, I mean, that's what we would hope for. That's what one, one could ask for, but uh, I, I guess we, uh, as you like to say, we have to file that under we'll see at this point. Absolutely. Uh, but yes, it's a very, uh, very interesting ending. Like I said, I, I do think they attempt to give you some closure on the Batman side of things. Uh, he and Robin and Batgirl sort of have this final conversation after uh, after Jason is seemingly lost and, and Batman says he feels like he 
he made such so many mistakes with Jason and he's sort of scared that he's made them all uh, made the same mistakes over again with, with Tim and Barbara. And they sort of reassure him that one, uh, despite the mistakes he may have made that he never gave up on Jason, even in those final moments, he was trying to save him. Um, But two, that, that they're whatever happens there, they chose this life. He didn't, force any of them into it and uh that they're they're sticking around so i think that that is they give you a little bit of closure on that side but yes obviously this little epilogue with with deathstroke and sunny and jason would uh would certainly uh, whet your appetite for uh you know at least another seven issues or so (laughs) at least yes this would be uh that would be the pleasant (laughs) surprise but uh, I, I guess, Liam, that's a good segue into talking about the very exciting news that ended up b- being announced uh, just a day or so after we got the final quote-unquote issue from this series, and that is, is that the adventures continue, indeed will continue, at least for one additional issue, uh, as DC Comics announced a holiday special uh, tied in and uh it, in, interestingly enough, it's not going to be numbered as like an annual or uh, sometimes as they do or a, a special one-off mm-hmm. one of one issue, but this would be issue uh, technically issue number eight. Yeah. That's it's funny because if you look at the uh, solicitations for this issue that we're reviewing, as we said, it'll make up the physical seventh issue. It said, you know, in big bold letters, you know, final issue seven of seven, um, and uh, so we we all sort of rightfully assumed that was the end. But yes, we found out that coming in January, we will get this sort of what appears to be a unrelated sort of one-off story involving Harley and Ivy uh, committing some sort of holiday-related crimes, which sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, whether or not there will be any teases for what could be coming down the pipeline or or what could be coming next, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, we'll have a we'll have a few months off here. But we all, we do know we have at least one more uh, adventure in in the DCAU uh, coming our way. So that's uh, oh wait, that was a different comic book series. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, now that so that's uh, that's definitely really exciting. Um, I guess that's uh, that that numbering is very curious. I agree, just because again, it seven had already been solicited as the final issue it was seven of seven and then this new one was announced and it says eight of eight on it. So we will see what comes from that, but yeah, either way, like we've said with every single one of these issues, whether it's some big status quo altering change, like introducing a second Robin and Firefly appearing before the new Batman adventures, things like that, uh, (laughs) or, uh, or minor things like just another fun Harley and Ivy tail penned by, uh, by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini. Uh, I'm, we're always game for a little bit more and getting the chance to live in this universe for a little bit more time. So definitely very excited for that. Absolutely. You know? Um, so I think it's uh, t- time to talk just uh, at least a little bit here, Liam, about our other favorite thing to discuss when we go through these, uh, through these issues. And that is the artwork for these two, two digital chapters here. What did you think of, uh, what did you think of the artwork for these final two? Well, I guess ultimately not final two, but the, <laughs> these two issues or these two chapters here, um, of course, Ty Templeton, uh, again, providing the artwork and best friend of the show, Monica Kubina, uh, doing the inking here. Uh, what, what were your, what were your thoughts on the artwork? Yeah, I think there's some really, really great stuff. I love the look of of Jason's lair. It's mentioned that it's a former Killer Croc lair. It's it's an interesting place because on paper, if you just hear all oh, their final battles in a sewer, that sounds kind of boring. But they they managed to make it pretty uh, pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, I think I think Ty Templeton and, and Monica do a, a great job. I I said I inking by the way, but I meant colorist. <laughs> myself there <laughs> thinking is its own thing that's right i believe ty actually did the inks uh on this and uh and yes monica does the colors but yeah i love the uh i love the fight as mentioned between uh straight man and mr wing it's this big over the top super powered uh you know they're just wrecking the place and i love the red hoods uh, grenade that has eyes on it <laughs> <laughs> um, and him dropping the chandelier onto straight man i i thought that was a 
pretty clever. And I, I love, uh, and we should always mention, I think we've made a point, especially you have Cal of, of highlighting these, especially on our Instagram, which you can follow us at DCAU review on Instagram, but uh, the title cards that we get for these digital chapters oh, yeah. uh, by, uh, by Randy Mayer, uh, both the one for part five, Red Sun Rising part five, which is uh, sort of an image of Batman and, and Batgirl sort of on the, the tech detective hunt as the penguin looks on. And then, uh, I think one of the single best ones he did, uh, that being for the final part, part six, of uh, it's just Batman, the Red Hood, and Joker sort of standing, looking at each other in this sort of Mexican standoff pose with the uh, the, t- the uh, title of the story uh, below their feet. Uh, I-, I love the way that one is laid out. And uh, it's really, we- we've mentioned it a lot, but uh, just the whole team um, on these books did such a great job, especially from a visual standpoint. And uh, yeah, I, I think like I said, I, I really enjoy the, the ending there of, of Tim freeing himself from the, from the, uh, the water tank. And then the, that sort of brief fight between, uh, between Batman. I love, I love the sort of the quick nature. They do a lot of like panels on top of panels here, but of, of Tim grabbing the crowbar, knocking out the Joker, tossing it to Batman. So Batman can hit straight man with it. Just a nice little like quick, quick bit of sequential action and showing how you can kind of feel like you're watching, watching things move, even when they're static images. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think um, this continues to be really, really great. There's a lot of great headshots up close, like face shots, as you mentioned, sort of in that last uh, in the second, second chapter, the Joker is very expressive, of course, using the, the justice league unlimited slash um, slash return of the Joker look for uh, Joker was certainly the way to go. And, and mm-hmm. certainly uh, I, you know, I think that he looked true to character throughout it. And uh, th- there's a couple of really striking panels. There's a panel where red hood, when he whips out a, a pistol to, to shoot the Joker. So there's a shot where he, you know, it's sort of at the barrel looking back at the red hood as he sort of stretches Mm -hmm. out and aims it. And then there's a, a reaction shot of the Joker actually being hit and there's sort of blood spraying, which, uh, you know, still is a little bit striking (laughs) recognizing, uh, you know, we, we talk about it. We're always quick to point it out when, if there is blood in the DCAU because it's so uh, few and far between, but uh, you know, I thought, thought it was very, very interesting thing that and and it was a great shot it was it was done really really well but there's a lot of expressive up close headshots in that final chapter that i think really do a great job of of showing the intensity and the certainly the um the just sort of the impact that is that is going on here and the the individual characters you know cutting between the joker and and the red hood and batman and uh there's another panel where uh after after uh red hood is is trying to force the joker right before he he hits the homing beacon there's a shot where they're pointed he's point red hood is pointing a gun sort of haphazardly at the joker's head and the joker has his finger pointed and the very next panel uh joker's being very expressive and uh red hood's still pointing the gun in his head and that's when the third panel pops up and he's holding this homing beacon that he remembers that he had that allows uh (laughs) allows straight man to bust in and, and sort of save his bacon but uh just really really great um that that even that next very next panel as straight man breaks in it's it's a a bit of a splash page pun intended uh (laughs) yes i yes i you can look that up a splash page it's it it works literal 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 splash Splash. page uh but yeah it really really great um you know we've we've done nothing but praise as as well we should the visuals and certainly the artwork from this and uh i think these last two chapters certainly lived up to the hype of course bringing back mr wing was certainly a a added uh an an added bonus uh because we get to use you know different visual we only had a handful of images to use for our memes and now that that uh that meme catalog can certainly begin to grow that's really what the most important part of all of this was (laughs) We're just mining it for more Mr. Wing memes, but no, yeah, it's it's great. Like I said, I, I love that whole that whole final confrontation. Uh, the shot of of Robin sort of on the ladder, shooting the grappling hook down. Batman catches it as as uh, Jason is literally caught by the crowbar, which is sort of 
uh, lodged itself into the wall and he's literally hanging by the crowbar and as we said he removes his apparently it's just like a yeah it's like a ski mask and and uh, he actually looks a little more they show uh, shows like they visualize a little bit more of the scarring yeah. in this issue whereas before it had kind of just been like a mark under his eye and obviously the white hair and that final shot where he takes off the uh, the red mask and, and you, you see a lot more of the marks and, and bumps and um, and definitions sort of of this uh, of sort of the beating he took and yeah, I, I really think they do that. And as you mentioned that scene where he's sort of pointing the gun at the Joker. You, you have these super expressive Joker faces, uh, you know, sort of contrasted by this this sort of un. Obviously, he doesn't have a mouth or uh, you know eye, his eyes don't really move in the mask. So this sort of constant straight expression of the Red Hood face, uh, sort of contrasted by the over the top uh, Joker Joker expressions. There's some really really great stuff here and. Like I said, even even that that those final couple images, as uh, as as Jason sort of removes himself from the crowbar and, and falls in, and we see this you know shocked Batman reaction, and then Batgirl sort of swooping in at the last second to uh, to help make the rescue, and and them sort of talking to each other uh, on the docks afterwards. There's just some really good stuff in here. And, and I, I definitely think we've, we've said it in every chapter, every, uh, every bonus episode we've done that's focused on it, but yeah, uh, Ty Templeton and, and Monica Kubina's work here um, uh, has absolutely been the highlight. And that's, that's not a, a slight against the writing or, or editing or lettering or anything else. But I think by far uh, the most fun for me has just been to see again, to, get to live in this DCAU style a little bit longer and, uh, and to see all of uh, some of these new characters brought to life in that style. It's just been, has just been so much fun. And uh, this, this, these last couple chapters were uh, no exception to that. Yeah. I think, I think that final, that sort of that final bit there where Jason is hung up by the crowbar and basically it pulls a racial ghoul and refuses to accept, uh, accept Batman's hand ultimately, mm-hmm. or, or certainly, I guess ultimately he's sort of rejecting help from, from Batman and Robin. So there's certainly still seems to be some animosity there, or some dislike, but uh, yeah, he has the, the line of save the Robin who, who needs you as he, as he drops, drops himself go. into the water. So whether that's uh, but, whether that's him being sort of just resigned and telling if that's I was I kind of took that as he's telling Bruce like I'm too far gone and there's no saving me right so just yeah. let me go more yeah. than like him being resentful of of Bruce or Tim in that moment yeah I think I I think that that's that's fair I think it could be read read either way but I tend based on the the lines that he kind of kind of says beforehand it seems that way but that that shocked look of Batman uh great coloring there great great drawing that just the classic and you can even with the line there he just says Jason like in my head you can everything about that scene just screams Batman the animated series where you can hear Kevin Conroy screaming it you can it I mean it looks like a, pa- a still panel from a cart from what you would think it would show up in a cartoon. So um, I think that that's, that's been our takeaway from this whole series, as you mentioned, and what, why, um, you know, sometimes with a story, maybe not matching up with continuity or, or kind of contradicting itself or contradicting continuity. Um, you know, if this didn't look, if this was drawn by somebody maybe who, who wasn't drawing it in the standard DCAU style, and that's not to take away from anybody who's ever drawn this DCAU, but there are certain people who don't necessarily stick to that sort of standard Bruce Tim esque drawings, um, and sort of kind of go off on their own in their own own direction. So you it's you could almost dismiss it if the, in, if that's the case. If it's contradicting, it doesn't really look the same. Uh, but because this feels so familiar, because the b- between the coloration and the and the uh, the artwork, I, I think everything together just roots this so firmly in the dcau which for better or worse leads to that (laughs) man like this why doesn't this feel like the dcau sometimes you know yeah for sure um yeah i think i think we're as we're sort of coming to our end here yeah it is worth just looking over i mean we have uh we haven't really mentioned anyone besides the uh, the main the main players here but we do have josh reed as the letterer and uh andrew marino as the editor for these 
for these books. And I just, uh, yeah, definitely a hats off to the whole team. We've, we've talked and you can listen back on all the other bonus episodes. Uh, there's certainly things I could, I could nitpick from a narrative standpoint. And we have, um, would have liked to have seen a few more changes maybe to this, this version of Jason Todd to be, to try to, to shoehorn in a third Robin that we just somehow never knew about feels a little, a little forced in some ways. Um, but that being said, it's still overall, like I said, if, if for no other reason than because of the art, but I, I also think I, I really liked their characterization of Azrael. Uh, I liked the, the idea of Deathstroke sort of trying to steal uh, Batgirl and Robin away. And then in the end, despite, by it being a very similar take on the death in the family and under the hood storylines. I do think in these final two chapters, they did from a narrative perspective uh, deviate enough that it, it, it left me feeling pretty satisfied as how that all played out. Like you still had those elements of, of the red hood and trying to force Batman to kill and all that. But like I said, with the, with the inclusion of Robin, who I, the, with the third Robin, which I've always felt should should have been, and maybe that's me being a an unabashed uh, Tim Drake super fan, but I've always felt like that character belonged more in that Red Hood story because that to me is an element of that story that Jason, not only did he not mourn Jason properly in his eyes, but uh, you know, how long did he wait to uh, to replace him? Six months, a week? Like we don't we don't really know exactly uh, how much time between Ro- between Robins there was this time. So I, I think in directly involving uh, Jason's successor in Tim Drake here also really enhanced it from a narrative perspective to me. Because again, it not only made it a little bit more personal for Batman, but sort of seeing seeing the way Jason's mind looked at it and looked at this next, this next child who had sort of been in his eyes indoctrinated into the world of Batman and then taking that kid and and trying to use him against Batman to sort of get Batman to this level that Jason always thought he should be even before he was uh, apparently killed by the Joker. I think they, uh, despite some some missteps along the way, and certainly we'll, we'll leave it to our, uh, our friends at the Watchtower database to, uh, to uh, figure out any any and all plot holes along the way. But overall, I think especially, I think they stuck the landing pretty well, especially with that little tease that we could get more down the line with uh, with Red Hood and Deathstroke teaming up. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's what we're hoping for. And uh, I guess we'll see what's to come in the, uh, in the new year when we get solicits maybe for January or maybe a proper announcement uh, through one of the media channels that DC likes to uh, do their formal announcements with sort of how we uh, learned about this comic last year. So uh, we will see what else is to come. Let's hope for more regardless. Uh, I guess since we're, since we're sort of putting a cap on this, even though we do have one additional uh, issue coming out next, uh, next, well, in, in the next couple months here for uh, December solicits. Uh, Liam, do you have, looking back, do you have a favorite issue of the, of the series or a favorite, if you want to break it down specifically into a chapter, you can do that. Or, um, you know, of the storylines that were told here, I guess we had three, we really had three, three distinct stories that were ultimately told here, I guess. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed um for what would be <laughs> yes uh yeah personally i really enjoyed the uh the azrael uh issue i guess that would be chapter seven and eight if you read it digitally um i really enjoyed that i i know that nora freeze stuff had some controversy with some of the other uh dcau fans and content creators but uh one not only was it our introduction to mr wing most importantly <laughs> Um, but I also, I really dug that take and sort of tying Azrael Jean-Paul Valley into the backstory of Bruce Wayne and this idea of this, this vengeful guy. I, I liked, I liked the, uh, the, I loved the art of those issues. I loved, and like I said, I liked the story. I liked the sort of more angry, violent version of Batman that Batman himself sort of deputizes and gives him this, this bat suit. And then it, immediately he nearly kills the penguin and sets up this final confrontation with Mr. Freeze. And 
I, I really enjoyed that issue. Um, well, like I said, warts and all, if you don't like it because of the, the Nora stuff, I'm not going to argue with you. And, and, and I, I, I did like some of the changes they made to, uh, to Jason's origin with the, uh, the red hood and the, the wolf gang and sort of tying that more into his, his life as sort of a teenage hoodlum. I thought that was, that was uh, a lot of fun. And, seeing all those flashback scenes where we got to see Scarecrow and, and, and lock up and obviously Croc Croc doing the floss dance from Fortnite. Um, <laughs> a lot of cool stuff. It's hard for me to pick just one moment or one chapter or issue that I liked, but I guess if you tried to nail me down, I would say probably either issues four or five, just because I think visually that's some of the best stuff, the scene in the bar um, between the red hood and Batman, where they sort of come face to face for the first time. I think from a dialogue and from a visual standpoint is so incredible. Um, so that one really sticks out for me, but uh, what about you? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know that we tend to agree on a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> so I, I would say that my, yeah, I, I think, I think if I, for the sake of just disagreeing so that I can pick something differently, I will. Uh, I really did love the darker night story, the, the, the introduction of Azrael and certainly the, I think that that whole scene where we first see the that classic 90s Azrael suit, the bat suit, as he mm-hmm. comes to that confrontation with with Penguin. And again, we get Mr. Wing's introduction and all of that. Yeah, I think I just think that, that was that was just fantastically done. The artwork, the coloring, everything was great about that scene. That was probably my favorite visual um, as far as stories are concerned, I, I really did like Mentors, too, which, you know, was the introduction of that that Slade Deathstroke character that mm-hmm. you know, we, we talked about uh, on that episode. That's such a such a, a a interesting character and one that you think back and you like definitely would have fit in that original Batman, the animated series run just because of the type of character he is, the adversarial nature of uh, of the character the uh you know sort of being able to match batman both physically and mentally uh in a way and and you know i think that character being a part of this universe feels so right and the the sort of the introduction to him uh into this universe other than maybe the whole like you know firefly (laughs) (laughs) somewhat firefly contradiction happening there um, it didn't seem to it didn't seem to upset anything in that it makes sense that maybe this character d- could exist in the DCAU and that we hadn't heard about him or hadn't seen him um, absolutely. Because, because of the nature of the character. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that. I mean, we talked about it again. You can go listen to that episode to hear our th- thoughts in full. But I, yeah, that that Deathstroke design, like they, it really feels like. And again, I think that's a lot of the the classic miles we're going through uh, currently in our regular month of October. In our regular episodes, we're going through Justice League Unlimited. And so many of the characters we focused on from the question to Hawk and Dove are you take the sort of archetype classic designs from some of their earliest appearances and just adapt that into the DCAU style. And I think that's really that was really on display with uh, how Ty Templeton and uh, and Monica Cabina helped bring Deathstroke to life. It's very much that classic George Perez, Marv Wolfman era, New Teen Titans Deathstroke, just sort of, you know, you know, beefed up and and made into a, a DCAU version of that character. But it feels like such a classic, like that's a definitive classic version of Deathstroke to me. And I'm I'm so glad they went with that look. Obviously, he's had a few different looks and sort of more modernized, more militarized uh, looks in the books more recently. So. I love that we got just this, you know, you know, except no substitutes sort of classic how I picture Deathstroke when I think of the character with the very bright and vibrant blue and orange color scheme and, and everything. So I, yeah, I love the look of Deathstroke in that book. Perfect. All right, Liam, one last question for you, and then we will wrap up this week's bonus episode. And uh, that is if you were giving a recommendation, okay. Uh, mm-hmm for this comic would you go you know one thumb up two thumbs up thumb down two thumbs down yeah see it skip it wait for the trade paperback what <laughs> what what are liam's thoughts overall on the series here uh in just like a very short tweetable blurb <laughs> yeah i mean my thoughts are basically i had a lot of fun following along with this as it came out 
Um, and I think especially because we had the, the digital chapter split up. So I, I definitely say, again, even if there, if there wasn't, it wasn't a perfect narrative the whole time, uh, the art alone, plus again, just seeing the interesting ways that some of these characters were introduced to the world. Uh, that's a definite thumbs up for me, um, especially if like us, uh, you grew up with these cartoons and some of the other tie-in books and, and this ha ha holds a really special place with obviously for us, we've done over a hundred episodes of a podcast all about this universe. So it's very, very special and important to us. And I think just for that alone, just getting to spend a little more time in it, if you're a, a super fan like us, then it was absolutely worth it to, to follow along issue by issue or, or digital chapter by digital chapter. Um, so a definite thumbs up from me. What about you? Yeah, I'd I'd say it's a, it's a two thumbs up. I think if you haven't if you haven't invested in the actual, uh, you know the the actual physical issues of these, um, do yourself a favor. You know, we always talk about it here. If you have a little bit of expendable income, which obviously isn't a luxury that a lot of people have these days, so I sure. totally understand if you if you have to wait for it to come out on the trade paperback, but you're probably going to be able to get this for cheaper on di in digital form. Uh, if you, if you go out now, cause these are 99 cents an issue and there's what we said, 14 chapters. So you're, 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 you're basically, you're going to get spend 14 bucks. So basically what you would have spent on a movie in, in the old days when movies were still a thing and, <laughs> uh, you know, get yourself the entire collection here digitally. And then, uh, or if you want to wait until the trade paperback comes out, go support your, your local comic book store um and and get the trade paperback that i don't believe that's been solicited yet we're not sure uh when that could be due out i would assume maybe first or second quarter in 2021 uh more than likely but uh who knows so uh if you don't want the spoiled if you you know i mean if you're listening to this you've already you've already you already know what's happened so get your hands <laughs> on these you know and and certainly because listening to the stories you might be able to okay I, I figured out where this fits in that's fine but you're really missing out based on like we said the artwork the highlight yeah go out go out and get the, your copy somehow whether you're getting the actual physical issues the digital issues or waiting for the trade paperback uh yeah get your hands on this absolutely agree i think every, anybody again anybody who's a fan of this world kind of owes it to themselves to don't you know don't yeah don't just take our word for it or don't just uh you know look around for other podcasts or youtubers who like or don't like it you uh, you owe it to yourself to at least you know give the first couple chapters a try like you said obviously digital would probably be the cheaper version if you want to go on the individual issues but uh yeah give it give it a try i believe the i believe the first issue is up now on the dc universe app as part of batman day they made a whole bunch of those comics uh, available even though they are are and I believe it might also, it was at least for a time around Batman day in September was free on DC comics website. So you may still be able to find at least a free sample of the first issue. So yeah, I think if you love these, of these comics, uh, which clearly if you're listening to this or love this universe as much as we do, uh, clearly you do. Uh, yeah. Owe it to yourself to, uh, to read it yourself, make your own opinions and then, uh, Hey, tweet us or, or comment on our Instagram at DCA. You review both places. Let us know what you think as well, because like, like I said, we uh, we love hearing from fans. Like I said, it was such a cool thing just to have a DCAU event to talk about this year, a brand new story to talk about uh, was so much fun and it was a lot of fun to follow along with. So definitely would love to hear what other people think as well. Uh, I would agree. And uh, Liam, I, I'm not someone that likes to lie, but I guess I, unfortunately I did lie here. I, I do have one additional question for you now that we are All right. We are wrapping this up here now. Something else that we can certainly tout, and another thing that we didn't actually talk too much about, I don't think, on these bonus episodes, were the multitude of different covers for these issues. Mm -hmm. um, every issue seemed to have maybe three or four different variant covers done by. It seemed to be a who's who of artistry each time. Um, you know, we had uh, quite quite the laundry list of of artists here do you have a favorite cover from all of the the variants all of the issues here uh that you would pick as your your favorite wow that is a a tough question but uh i think i do and there's a lot of great ones um 
um, which uh, again, we could be here all day listing all the great alternate covers, but I think my favorite would be one I went out of my way to purchase that being the Warren Lowe, apologies if I'm not saying that that uh, last name correctly, but the, uh, the alternate cover for issue number one, it was a, uh, a reimagining of the classic uh, Batman Adventures number 12, uh, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy cover uh, sort of recreated with the, the old trade dressing and the old DC logo um, with, uh, with girls sort of spray painted over man. And we get Batgirl, the adventures continue number one with, uh, as I said, with, with Harley and Ivy and then Batgirl in the front of it. Um, that one was, when I saw that, I just immediately thought, I, I need this. Like, this is, this is so, such a great looking cover. Um, and that, that one probably stands out as my personal favorite. But uh, what about you? Um, man, there are so many good ones. And I, I think honorable mention goes to Joe Quinones uh, for his, uh, his work on the Deathstroke cover, uh, for the issue number three. That one is mm-hmm. really, really, really good. I really love that one, but I think just edging it out, uh, I think they saved the best for last. And that would be, uh, the cover done by, uh, Justin Erickson, also known as the, uh, Phantom City Creative uh, cover for the uh, issue number seven which is uh just it's it's got the it's got the entire bat family it's got batman batgirl uh, robin and nightwing on the front and uh batman has his uh cape up and sort of spread and they're standing in front of him and it's highlighted uh in red and black alone and it's just uh really really great and uh of course the phantom city creative mm-hmm. and justin erickson is responsible for a lot of the or the uh those m- beautiful uh, silkscreen posters that Mondo News has produced and just recently released their own book uh, sort of collecting all of the uh, posters he's done for the original Batman the Animated Series run so he's very familiar with these characters and certainly has uh, has his uh, has certainly done a lot for uh, keeping the Batman the Animated Series property alive and, and relevant over the last several years as they continue to release those posters so uh, absolutely I think I think I'm going to have to give it to to that one. It's just a stunning piece, and and certainly uh, certainly I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that that's uh, that's a part of my collection. Definitely, yeah. It sort of invokes the the new Batman Adventures logo. Yeah, um, sure. um, that was on all of the the toys and and merchandise. Although this one actually also includes Batgirl. Uh, although there was a variant, I think, that took out Nightwing and put Batgirl in, but most of the toys and stuff had Batman, Robin, and Nightwing on it. Uh, so it was cool to see all uh, all three of the of the sidekicks. And hey, that that A cover for uh, the final issue, uh, the, the Becky Cloonan piece, where it's sort of the Red Hood surrounded by fire and Batman sort of rising out of the fire as well. Um, just Just some incredible stuff. Yeah, we could... <laughs> Uh, that that might be its own bonus episode uh, down the line where we just look at some of the great uh great dcau covers here but yeah there's there's some great stuff throughout all the issues and again that's not even getting into uh all of the crazy uh like the david nakayama serial variants and some of that really creative stuff a lot of people you can tell how much love there is for these comics and these cartoons in the world of comics and how so many creators who are doing amazing things now were inspired by them and them getting to sort of make their mark on that style. Um, it's, it's really cool to see. So yeah, there's uh, so many great covers we could talk about. Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, we will start to wrap things up here. I do want to say a formal thank you. Uh, so we know that, as we said at the beginning of the show, a best fr- best friend of the program, Monica Cabina, listens right. to our program. So we, we want to thank her for not only all the hard work uh, that she put into this and making this uh, so enjoyable and uh, certainly her kindness towards us and the podcast here has just been so great. Uh, so we want to thank her and certainly Mr. Templeton. Uh, we, we publicly thanked them and Paul Dini and uh, Alan Burnett doesn't have social media as far as I know. So he's smart man. Yeah. <laughs> he is a wise man indeed. But uh, in case uh, we can somehow get the message out to him in some way, you know, thank you to those guys. This has been a, uh, a heck of a run here. And as we said, we hope that this is not uh, goodbye, but uh, we'll see you later. We know we have at least one more issue that we'll be able to cover in the not too distant future here, Liam, on a bonus episode. But uh, yeah, this is this has been a lot of fun. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Like we said, uh, with, with that ending being so, uh, no, uh, for lack of a better term, open-ended, uh, we certainly hope to see a, a direct follow-up to this story sometime in 2021. But regardless, uh, it's just been so much fun to, uh, I keep coming back to that phrase, but just to, to live in that world a little bit longer. And certainly as, as sort of a companion when we're reviewing the older episodes and and things like that to also have brand new uh, DCAU or Batman content uh, in this case. It's just so cool. And uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's amazing. I think it shows the, again, the legacy that this, uh, this whole DC animated universe has as that it's still relevant and still a, a viable property. Some, uh, uh, you know, 20, 20 plus years after it originated in the original animated series. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun and uh, very excited to see what uh, what may or may not come next. Absolutely. Well, thank you for tuning in and listening to this bonus episode. Don't forget, as Liam said, you can tweet us at DCAU Review. Give us your feedback and thoughts overall on your feelings about this entire series. Did you have a favorite issue, a favorite cover, maybe a favorite panel from this whole run here? Uh, are you excited about the potential for more of this or are you kind of just because of some of the continuity, are you just kind of relieved that it's over? Uh, send us all your, in, uh, your feedback and all your thoughts at DCAU review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at DCAU review for updates. Uh, we'll be posting more if there's variant covers, of course, there, if there's any breaking DCAU news, uh, we post it over there. So don't forget to check that out. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. That's Google podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio. radio, and a lot of those ancillary ones. Uh, also, don't forget to check out DCAUReview.com for the complete archives. Also, the link to our store where you can support the podcast. If you like us, uh, buy yourself a t-shirt. We don't sell ads on this podcast. So that would let us know that you love us. And uh, don't forget to leave us a five-star review or any sort of review on, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now. Liam, anything else to wrap us up here? I, my last thought, and like I said, we, we definitely want some feedback for, for not only for our show, but for what we're reviewing in this case, Batman, the adventures continue. I'm also curious where this series ranks in the adventures tie in hierarchy for people. Like if we go Batman adventures, volume one, Batman, Robin adventures, Superman adventures, justice league adventures, Batman adventures, volume two, like where's, where's this one fit in? Are you a big fan of the changes that were made? Do you, does that drag, drag it down your list for some people? I'd definitely love to hear uh, where this ranks as far as some of the other uh, tie-in material does for, for some people. Man, I love that. Definitely. So send us your feedback. We'd love to hear that. Uh, don't forget to check out coming up this weekend. We have another episode on our standard DCAU review. We will be covering another episode of Justice League Unlimited. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios. <laughs>